Silver Lake, all right. Go ahead and grab a seat. It's wonderful to be with you today. I'm Mike, one of the pastors on the team. We're continuing to walk through our series on finding joy, and we've been going after joy all month long. By the way, next week is Ugly Christmas Sweater Sunday, so please bring your ugly Christmas sweaters. Wear them with pride, like our two in the front already today. You guys are just a week early. That's it. That's beautiful. Um, and, uh, uh, oh, and then Christmas Eve, obviously, is coming up. It's, it's you know, this year it's on the 24th. Uh, so we're, that was a joke, it's always on the 24th, wow, wow, this is a tough room, oh. uh, and uh, we're at 4, 6, and 11, so uh, plan on inviting a friend and, and joining us there, and what we're talking about today is, is joy, uh, we'll start with a quote, joy is the echo of God's life in us. It's the echo of God's presence. It's the echo of who he is reverberating through us. And, and we've been talking about a definition of joy all month long. And so it's on your notes as well. It's joy, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will turn out right in this life or the next. Because God is over this, he is in this, and he will work through this, whatever this is. So whatever it is that we're going through, we can have joy, this quiet confidence, because God is over it, he's in it, he's working through it, and, and whatever it is that we're going through. And, and so today we're talking about finding joy in dark days, and this is an important message because these days are dark. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but on Tuesday of this week, it was the darkest day in three years, the least amount of daylight in three years. So if you felt like it was dark this week, you're right. It, it was dark. And, and we're talking about darkness out there. We're talking about like the reality that communities and countries are torn apart by war and, 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 and gripped by violence. The, the reality that children are orphaned and on the streets. The reality that, that there's just difficult realities in the world that are dark. And, and so we recognize darkness out there and then we also recognize it here. We recognize pain, we recognize grief, we recognize uh, the, the challenges that we walk through that create discouragement and despair and depression. And, and we just see these things and we wrestle with these things and we know that there's darkness there, there's darkness here. That's why it's important for us to go after a message like this. How do we find joy in dark days? Because all of us are going to have dark days and we struggle for some of us, we struggle when the thing that we desperately want isn't given. Like uh, for, for some of my brothers and sisters who desperately want to be married but have not been able to. Or somebody, uh, couples who desperately want to conceive but are unable. And for others, we struggle because the thing that we desperately wanted has suddenly been taken away from us. Uh, my brothers and sisters who have lost loved ones in untimely fashion or or who, who have walked through the end of a marriage. And, and we just recognize that we struggle when the script we wrote for our life isn't the script that life seems to be following. And, and, and so we struggle. And, and you know, as, as we were working as a creative team on this message and praying over it this week, one of the things we just wanted to start with is a disclaimer that there's really no way to give a message like this in, in, in front of a huge room full of people and, and have it land on everyone in, in a similar way. And the, the reason is because we're not all in the same place. 
that for some of us, we have not walked through real difficult circumstances. We don't or haven't grieved deeply in our life. And, and so for, for you, this message, it, it might not feel especially relevant. So just let me encourage you, take notes anyway, put them in your Bible. It will become relevant at some point. The other thought I have is for those of you who are right next to your grief, the proximity between your pain and and the event that caused your pain, it's still too close and the wound is still too raw. These truths that we'll talk about, they they might feel a little bit hollow. They might sound like they're they're a little bit platitudes. And and so for you, I just would say go ahead and, and jot stuff down anyway because there will be a day when these truths will be timely and helpful and, and provide balm for your journey. And, and so just understand that as we were at this Christmas time, we wanted to make this connect with the Christmas story a little bit. So you need to know that the shepherds knew a thing or two about dark days. You see, the scripture starts like this in, in Luke 2, 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And that sounds poetic. We, we sort of make this some kind of a poetic pastoral reality. But hanging out with sheep was not a fun thing to do. Uh, sheep are dumb. They're silly. They can't figure things out. They stink, right? Shepherding is not a career choice that people choose. Shepherding actually chooses people. It didn't pay well. So shepherds were on the low end of the economic spectrum, and there's very little personal fulfillment in it. Not only that, but shepherds were looked down on in the first century. They weren't respected. They weren't educated. They were not treated with dignity. Uh, They weren't even legally allowed to testify in a court of law. I want you to understand that if a, a, a young girl came home and told her parents that she'd been invited to the prom by this really nice guy, but he shepherds after school is over, uh, their parents would not let her go to the dance. That it just wasn't something that was valued. And not only that, we know from the scripture that these shepherds didn't clock out at 5 p.m. That they were on duty all night long through long boring, uneventful, cold hours of the night. And so these shepherds are literally in the dark, as well as socially, economically, academically, and vocationally in the dark. It's hard to imagine a shepherd in the first century saying, I'm living the dream, right? Life had not turned out the way that they had hoped it would turn out for them. And that brings us to the concept of lament. If you want to know what lament is, lament is a biblical response to personal pain. Lament is a biblical response to personal pain. And the Bible is, is, uh, it gives us so many examples of lament, honest, vulnerable laments of God's people. In Psalm 13, 2, we read, How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? And I know some of you have walked through truly dark days. We had a lament service earlier this month, and, and I felt a connection to everyone who was in that service and, and trying to authentically process their lament with the Lord. Can I tell you what we lament? Like, this is true for every single one of us. This is actually what unites us as, as a human family. This is humanity I'm talking about. We lament 
when our life has not turned out the way we desperately hoped it would. That's our lament. We, we lament when that, that thing that we really hoped for, that, that, that desire, that script we wrote for our lives that we were looking forward to living, when that does not happen and the reality is different from the script. We, we lament when we recognize the pain I'm in is far greater than anything I ever thought I'd experience. So we lament those realities and and, and it's interesting to me that over 70% of the psalms are psalms of lament. It's interesting to me that God actually invites his people to authentically process their emotions with him. That's an, an incredible um, invitation from, from God. Jesus is described as a man of sorrows. You need to understand there's this unique authenticity that followers of Jesus are invited into with God. You can share your lament to God because God is big enough to handle what you are really going through in this lifetime. And so the scripture says in Psalm 23, 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, you might want to circle that, the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. And any of us can and will walk through dark days, deep, dark valley days. And so if you're a shepherd wrestling in a dark valley with how your life hasn't turned out the way that you hoped it would, how do you find joy? And if you're filling in the blanks, the first thing to note is that success does not keep us immune from dark days. I know that is a bit of a lie that the American dream, sort of a subset of the American dream, that if we're successful enough, we'll be spared dark times in our life. And, and yet I want you to understand, look around this room, that there are incredibly successful people here. All around, right? We are successful vocationally and relationally. We're, we're successful educationally. We're successful spiritually, so many of us. And, and yet we're not spared from dark days. You don't even have to look outside and sort of compile a list of those that were successful, like the Robin Williams and the Anthony Bourdains and, and the Philip Seymour Hoffmans, or in the scripture, the, the prophet Elijah. Because the lie is, and we are tempted to believe that, that oh, I'm, I'm discouraged now because I'm not successful as I want to be. I'm, I'm discouraged now because I haven't made it. And I, I just want you to know we got to deal with this issue right now with the level of success we're in. Or else we'll never know how to deal with it when we actually hit a greater level of success. So we've got to understand how to find joy in dark days. And, and you just need to know that we will not be spared darkness by being successful. Elijah is the perfect example of this. And I'll tell you the story of Elijah. We'll read a bit of his story, but Elijah had experienced the greatest tangible success that any prophet, any follower of God has ever experienced. And you might remember this story. It's actually on a mountaintop, the top of Mount Carmel, and it's at a time when the prophets of Baal, the, the, the prophets of the false god in, in, in that ancient world, they had all gathered together and they were going to have like a, a spiritual, you know, battle between Elijah and the one true God. And so it was a little bit, it, it, was, a, it was like a showdown. And they built these altars and they put a sacrifice on the altars and the prophets of Baal, they're like, 
we're going to pray, and our God is going to accept, you know, this sacrifice. And so Elijah's just kind of, okay, you guys go for it. And they pray, and they chant, and they dance. They even end up cutting themselves, you know, thinking that that will please their God, and he'll come down and take the, take the sacrifice off the altar. And, of course, Baal never shows up because Baal doesn't exist. And so, um, so that's what's happening there. And then Elijah steps up, and he takes the microphone, and Elijah says, all right, God, I, I, I need you to show up and accept this altar and, 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 you know, accept this sacrifice. And he says, I'm not even praying for your sake, God. I, I'm praying for their sake. So they understand that you're the one who's going to do this thing. And immediately, fire from heaven comes down, consumes both of the altars, consumes both of the sacrifices. I mean, it's a major victory. All of Israel's there. They all believe in the one true God. The prophets of Baal are defeated. This is like, Pinnacle success. I mean, spiritually, this is winning the Super Bowl for Elijah. Like, he is going to Disneyland. That's how good this moment is. And then the queen hears about this. The evil queen, uh, Jezebel. By the way, there's not many people in the room named Jezebel. Name never really caught on in America. Uh, Jezebel is so angry at Elijah, she says, I'm going to kill you. She sends out word, I'm going to kill the prophet Elijah, and Elijah hears this threat and immediately falls into deep darkness. Immediately he just falls through the floor, and all is dark in his world. And that's where we pick up the story. If you want to follow along on your notes or on the screen, it says Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is a man who just came from the pinnacle of success. Now he's having these suicidal thoughts. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread and hot stones on a, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper, a still, small voice of God. And I want you to see that Elijah's struggle, it didn't come with Jezebel's threat. No, the darkness came with how her threat resonated within his being. And, and so there's this reality that his success did not immune him to the darkness. It just precursed it. But please take note that darkness is not the absence of God. 
Our darkness is not the absence of God. And that's what we're tempted to think, that, that I'm in the dark. God's not with me anymore. That's why I'm in the dark, but that's not true. Because in Elijah's darkest moments, God was right there with him. God fed him. God quenched his thirst. God revealed himself and his glory to Elijah in the darkness. See, don't ever believe the lie that because you're down, you're distant from God. You might want to write this down. You being down doesn't prove God is distant. It just proves you're human. It just proves you. We all go through this kind of a thing. And we know from scripture, we know from experience that our healing has begun. And that God is patient and kind and tender. And he will take us through the process of healing and restoration. And the brokenness that we have is not a sign that God's not near. It's merely a sign that we are dependent upon him. And so there's some practical things that we can pull from this passage, like, you know, in the midst of our grief journey, get good sleep, right? Get some sleep. Uh, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Elijah slept. That that's a part of the restoration process. And then eat. Eat good food. I know, you know, there are many cultures that that is how they communicate healing. Eat, eat, you know. But this is biblical, right? To eat good food. And, and, and what I think from this is the idea of just self-care. Good basic self-care is where this restoration begins. And then I love how God reveals his presence to Elijah. It's just so incredible to me that it's not in the mighty wind. And it's not in the earth shattering. And it's not in the firestorm that surrounds. That's how we all feel but it's in the still small voice. It's in the, the gentle whisper. And God reminds Elijah, I am nearer than your own breath. I am right here with you, meeting you in the dark. And that brings us to our next truth. Because God is with us, it's not as dark as you feel it is. It's not as dark as you feel it is. Now, please don't misunderstand this point. I'm not saying that it's never dark. I'm just saying it's not as dark as it seems to be. Even in the midst of the worst case scenario, even when life gives you a sucker punch to the gut and all the wind is out of your lungs, talking about maybe the untimely loss of a loved one, and you're reeling, and everything seems pitch black, on a quote from Anne Lamott, she says, you will lose someone you can't live without and your heart will be badly broken. And the bad news is you'll never get completely over the loss of your beloved. But this is also the good news. They live forever in your broken heart that doesn't seal back up. And you come through. It's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly. That still hurts when the weather gets cold. But you learn to dance with the limp. And your darkness might seem pitch black because of a tragic occurrence it might look like there is absolutely no hope but I want you to understand that you have to take into account the whole rest of your life and relationships and impact and purpose that that when we're down the emotion storm and rage within us and grief exhausts us and the negative voices of worry they, they blow darkness up to mythic proportions and we have to learn to silence those voices you see 
darkness limits our perspective. You might want to write that down, that the darkness limits our perspective. And it creates fear. And it induces anxiety when we find ourselves in, in the dark. When I was younger, I used to sleepwalk quite often. And I'm really thankful that I don't anymore. But there was a day, and I think I was probably in my early 20s or maybe late teens, when I woke up from a sound sleep standing in pitch blackness. I had no idea where I was. I couldn't see anything. I, I opened my eyes, closed my eyes. It was exactly the same, just pitch black. And so I tried to take a step forward, and I, I hit a wall instantly. I was right next to a wall. So then I turned, and I tried to move to my left, and instantly I hit another wall. Now, I have watched enough Twilight Zones to know <laughs> that I was probably being buried alive. Or maybe I was a human specimen in an alien zoo. I wasn't exactly sure, but, but I started to freak out instantly and flail around, and I was making all this noise, and suddenly I hit a lamp, and I knocked it over, and I realized, oh, that's the lamp that's right next to my bed, and I kind of did a little position. I was just standing in the corner of my bedroom. But once I had perspective, then the fear drained away instantly. And I want you to understand that, it, that it, yes, it's dark. Yes, there's an incredible darkness that we go through on this journey as humans, and, and, and we deal with the pain, but, but perspective will, will help us understand that we can move forward and that it's not as dark as we might think. Because when you start believing the voices of despair, you end up thinking that your crisis is pervasive and permanent. Never believe the voice that says your worst moment is the defining moment of your future. Never believe that voice. In the Lord, your life is filled with a hope and a future. You are loved. The God who created you knows you. And he treasures you and he delights in you and he rejoices over you and he is holding you. And he will carry you when you don't have the strength to even stand. And this brings me to the next truth, that you are not alone when you think you're alone. You are not alone when you think you're alone. You are not the only one in the darkness. Now, it seems that you are, but that's only because in the darkness you can't see all that well. And so it is important to remember that this community, the community of brothers and sisters in the family of God, the the community. See, God himself says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And then God creates the church. And in the church, we get to come alongside one another. And we get to encourage one another and support one another and build one another up. And, 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 and you have to be willing to allow somebody else to be your seeing eye human for a while. Leading you through the darkness to the light of hope. I was talking to one of our pastors on the team, Pastor Kevin, this week, and talking about the power of support groups. He, he is in the leadership of our divorce recovery and was telling me story after story about people going through the, the, this tragedy so often. It, it's not what they're 
desiring. So often it's not the choice that they would make, and yet that's where they find themselves, and, and they're bewildered and lost, and everything seems dark, and they come, and they find others that have gone through this same journey or are going through the same journey, and, and they're able to provide a shoulder for one another to lean on as they limp forward down this road and, and care for one another. And I just want to remind you, you're not alone when it seems you're alone. And if you look back over these truths that we've already talked about, you do need to realize that the opposite of these truths are the lies that are whispered in the dark. The opposite of these truths are, oh, no, no, you really are alone. Oh, no, 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 it really is as bad as it seems. No, 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 God isn't with you here. Do you, do you see? And so it's important for us to, to be able to come together and to help one another silence the lies that are whispered in the dark, and especially the lie that says you should just give up, that you should just give up. And that brings me to this next fill-in. Refusing to give up is a form of defiant joy. It's a form of defiance and joy. It's, it's, it's a form of victory to refuse to give up. Perseverance is a kind of glory in and of itself, and, and the challenge to keep on keeping on is the basis for joy. And it starts with the humblest of beginnings, the babiest of steps. Uh, the challenge in, in this defiance of joy is in the midst of a road of grief to simply find joy in the mundane, to find joy in the daily. That just getting out of bed in the morning is an act of defiant joy. Showering, eating breakfast, having a conversation on the phone, bathing the dog. like These, these things that are just mundane, they, they are an act of defiant joy. Hallelujah. Finding joy in creation, taking a walk, uh, maybe getting up in the mountains, maybe taking a ferry across the sound, taking a ride on a bike and letting the wind hit your face. See, when we allow ourselves to be surrounded by God's beauty, our perspective does shift just a little bit, and, and we're holding on to that defiant joy. And then, of course, finding joy in hope, finding joy in the truth that, yes, I am in a tunnel, but there is a light at the end of this tunnel. I want you to understand that as long as you believe in a beautiful moment in your future, you can overcome the darkest moment in your now. And please remember through all of this that occasionally it's the shepherds who get visited by the angels. Occasionally it is the ones who are in the dark and who have been in the dark for a long time, whose life is not progressing the way that they wrote the script for their life to proceed, and yet it's those shepherds who are invited behind the scene and into the front row of the most beautiful miracle the world has ever seen. I mean, I absolutely love this passage where with these shepherds, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will to men. 
I love picturing this scene. I, I, I absolutely love imagining the faces of the shepherds in this moment. I love picturing the, the radiance of glory illuminating the darkness of the night. I, it's a Steven Spielberg special effects kind of a moment, right? Where you could just imagine they've never in their entire life seen anything as remotely as awesome and as incredible as this moment that they are invited into, that those that have been in the darkness are now invited into the light. And it's not just the radiance of their glory, the radiance of the heavenly presence, but it's the power of the announcement that they bring, that this is good news of great joy to all people, that, that this is the Lord, the Messiah, this is the Christ, the long-awaited one. This is Jesus, the source of all light. And that's where we find joy. We find our joy in Jesus, in the source of all light that can illuminate our darkness. And, and I just want to remind you, friends, you need to understand, those of you who have walked a dark road, that, that the light always shines brighter in the darkness. This last summer, I was hanging out with my buddy Andrew. Andrew and I were hanging out in my backyard uh, one summer evening, and we were, uh, I've got this area built where it's like got a fire pit and some chairs, and I've strung some party lights over the top, and, and we were like talking about, you know, our high school days and sharing old memories and listening to great tunes. It, it just was, it was a fun night, right? Andrew's here, right? It's like, it was awesome. And I remember it was like kind of twilight when we were started to hang out. So I plugged in the lights before it was all that dark. It just was like sort of dark. Like if you want to know how dark it was, just think about yesterday at noon or so. It was like, like kind of twilight. And, and so I plug in the lights and Andrew makes a comment. He says, oh, I, I like these lights because they, they were just kind of gentle. Like in the, in the, you know, in the, in the fading light, they, they just were on and they were just sort of visible. And he said, oh, I like them. They're really mellow lights, you know. And I said, oh, Andrew, it's interesting. I said, the, the darker the night gets, the brighter they become. And he said, what, really? He goes, uh, do they have a sensor or something? Is there a dial that you like turn up or not? And I go, no, buddy, it's just the darker the night gets, they just seem a lot brighter. Like, uh, I, and I mean, I, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, you know, oh, it just, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I love you. Thanks for being here today. But I, I actually told Andrew I was going to share the story, right? And so I'm really surprised that you're here. But thank you for being here. And, and I just want you to understand that's exactly what happened in our evening, that the darker the night got, the brighter the lights became. And that's true. It's true for you. Because some of you have, you've walked a really dark road. I, I know so many of your stories. And I'm just here to tell you that the darker the road you've walked, the more beautiful the light of Jesus shines through you. You, you think that it's just all dark and you think that there's nothing good. And I'm telling you, you think you're an earthen vessel that's shattered. And it's through you. The light of Jesus shines so beautifully. It's so beautiful in you. Like you're the reason I have hope. 
because I see in you the light of Jesus and the source of joy in such an encapsulated picture. Because of your dark road, you cling to the light of Jesus and he shines so brightly in you. And friends, that's the power of this scripture, this prophecy that says the people who walk in darkness, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And that's the hope of Jesus that we cling to. That's what Jesus coming to earth means. It's, it's for those of us who are walking in a land of darkness. It's for those of us who've had that experience where the grief and the pain is palpable and tangible in our lives. And it's to you that Jesus, the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace, it's to you, Emmanuel, comes. And he is the source of our light. And he is the source of our joy. And I want you to hear Jesus speak to you today. Because if you're down, if you're here and today's a day where you're down, I want you to hear Jesus say that you may be down today. But you are just touching down. You're not staying down. Because you weren't, you weren't created to live down. You were created to soar. And with me, the source of your light, with me, God with you, you will mount up on wings like eagles. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful to you that you have come to us, that we are the ones who walk in darkness, that we are the ones who live in a land of deep darkness, and it's your light that comes to us. It's, it's your light that illuminates our darkness. It's your light that shines through our broken lives. And so we ask that you meet us today and you give us the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will turn out right in this life or the next because you are over this and you are in this and you will work through this, whatever this is. And we are so thankful that you have come to us, that you have loved us, that you've called us by name. We cling to your hand now and we ask that you would be the source of our joy in dark days. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. Friends, why don't you stand with me now?